his glory. Amen. As I said, I entitled this Humpty Dumpty after the nursery rhyme. Do you remember the nursery rhyme? How's it go? Poor Humpty. You see, sometimes life is like Humpty Dumpty. Sometimes it breaks in pieces. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes, no matter how much we scramble, we can't seem to get all the pieces to fit again. We come to a section of Scripture where things might have gone terribly wrong in this lady's life. I'm sure that she had lots of hurts, just like many of us do. And this scripture has news for all of us who feel like Humpty Dumpty. And the news is good news. Jesus wants to give us whole lives. Jesus wants to make our lives whole again. And so I want to notice some things about this and see some of the problems that we have to face. First of all, there is in verses 1 through 18, fracture, fracture. By that I mean, notice the encounter. You see, it says in verse 4, a little word that we probably forget. It says, but he, speaking of Jesus, needed to go through Samaria. In the King James, I think it says, he must needs go. That is a, a little word there that, that means uh, it was morally nece- necessary. What it really means is to accomplish God's will, it was needed. In other words, for the proper outcome, he had to go through Samaria. Even though the Jews tried to avoid the Samaritans as much as they could, Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. It's absolutely imperative to do the Father's will. He knew he had a divine appointment. And for things to turn out properly, he had to go to Sychar and be sitting by that well. God wants to direct our lives the same way. And sometimes even when we don't realize it, he's trying to make us whole. And he brings us to a point where we get what we need. So that things turn out the way they're supposed to. It says it's about the sixth hour of the day. That's 12 noon. I want you to realize no one ever came to the well at 12 noon. Everybody came early in the morning or late in the evening. Nobody's going to be there. But Jesus knew he had to be there. And the social customs of the day were that men didn't speak to women in public. The social custom of the day, women walked three steps behind their husbands. I'm not advocating that, so men don't go home and say that. Some of you smart ups get me in trouble. Bobby, did you hear me? Not three steps behind. No. But here this lady comes. She comes at noon. She's a moral and social outcast in her village. If she's coming at noon, it's because she doesn't want anybody to see her. She doesn't want to have to deal with the snickers, with the bad looks, with the whispers as she walks by. Verse 7, he says, give me a drink. Okay, now to us that don't mean anything. But to sit there and take a common drink after a Samaritan in that day for a Jew would be like one of us taking a a sip right after an AIDS patient. Does that give you uh, how radical this was for Jesus to ask her for a drink? Give me a drink. And she says, well, how can you get it? Okay, but he promises her a new life when he says, if you'll just ask, I can give you living water. It'll spring up inside you, giving eternal life. That's what he's saying. He's promising this to the lady 
who had fell off the wall many times and her life was fractured. If you feel fractured this morning, Jesus will meet you at that point. If you feel like life is coming to pieces and you can't get it all together again and things are missing, Jesus wants to make it whole again. So that was the encounter that he had there. And then the explanation he gives is, is in verses 11 through 14. How does he get the living water? You don't have a rope. You don't have a pot. He has the living water to give. Who do you think you are? Are you a prophet? He says, no, I'm going to give you living water that will satisfy your life. See, this lady had tried to fill her life with every kind of thing for satisfaction. And every time it had failed. Many of us have tried too and it has failed. And Jesus says, I can do it. And then I have the exposing in verses 15 through 18. Before I talk to you, you go get your husband. Can you see the look on her face? Can you think, oh, she's cringing. I can just see her sort of wilting in front of Jesus. And he says, very specifically, go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus just lays it all out on the table. You well said you have no husband because you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. In this you spoke truly. Oh my goodness, he knows everything about me. Oh my goodness, nothing is hidden. I got news for you. Nothing's hidden in our lives that Jesus doesn't know. Nothing is hidden that he can't expose. Nothing is hidden that, that we have to hide. We need to understand he knows it and still calls us to get a drink of living water. Mary Jo was one of my classmates when I was in junior high school. Mary Jo, to say she was a little bit socially awkward would be to do it disservice. She couldn't string two sentences together to talk to anybody. Mary Jo was the tallest person in our class. Mary Jo, because of her situation, didn't have running water at her house. And by the end of the week, Mary Jo didn't smell very good. Mary Jo was the butt of jokes and uh, teasing and all this kind of stuff that junior high kids do that are really mean. Mary Jo came to church. And my mother said, she needs a friend you have to sit by her. Only mothers can do that. And the way she looked at me when I cocked my head, there was no argument. The way she looked at me, you'll do it or I'll beat you. That was the way it was done back then. I began to sit by her. And she began to talk, actually talk a little bit. And I found out she wasn't anything wrong with her. There wasn't anything that uh, she could help in her situation. As she came to church, some of the ladies adopted her and cleaned her up and gave her new clothes. And she was just blossoming. Our family decided to move, and they had a big camper on the back of their pickup, and that's what they moved in. It was one of those that fit right in the bed. And somehow or another, the, the gas on the stove wasn't off. The truck backfired and caught on fire. Mary Jo burned alive there. The lesson I learned was... Every person is of worth to God. And at her funeral, I so thanked my mama that she hadn't allowed me to tease her or make fun of her. 
And I so thank my mama that she said, befriend her. And my mama said, that wasn't me. God told me you needed to do that. And it spared me at her funeral from really, I already had a hard time, but from really having a hard time. But you see, no matter where you're at, just like Mary Jo, God wanted her to have wholeness and happiness. And for those few months she came to church with us, I believe she did have. She smiled, had new clothes, was getting along better at school, making better grades, all those things because she was introduced to Jesus. You see, we all fail. In varying degrees, we can identify with this woman at the well, the shady lady from Sychar. Not a friend in the world. Going there by herself, not being able to socialize. It would be like us going to the well. It would be like us having coffee. If you want some coffee on Sunday mornings, get here a little bit early. Galen always has good coffee ready, and people like to visit. This lady had nobody. And then she ran into Jesus. You see, she realized that she was a sinner. She realized she needed to be saved. She realized she needed to repent. But not at first. Because not only is there a fracture here, there's fallacy. Look at verses 19 through 26 with me. Fallacy. We didn't read these verses. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you do say in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Look at verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Identified as a Messiah. What's the fallacy? It's the fallacy you're going to run into when you talk to people. Their tactic is this. When you start witnessing about Jesus and their sin becomes exposed, they want to change the subject. They want to change it quickly. Jesus already told her about her husband's and her life, and so she wants to change the subject. She's hurting. She doesn't want to talk about this. People don't like to talk about their sins. I mean, you're just one of those guys on TV that want to parade them. But most of us don't do that. The fallacy is, if we can just cover it back up, we're okay. Listen to me. When you bury stuff, it stinks. It rots. It'll rot your insides. Jesus came to give you wholeness of life, but you can't bury it. You see, she couldn't bear seeing herself as she now knew God saw her. How does he see you? How does he see me? As sinners without hope or as sinners who've been covered by the blood of Jesus and now have hope? The truth as Jesus kindly and gently shows her, is this. She had an incomplete truth, an incomplete knowledge. You don't know who you worship. We worship because we've got the whole scripture. You see, the Samaritans were half Jewish and half pagan. And they worshiped on Mount Gerizim. They're in their territory. And they only accepted the first five books of our Bible, the Pentateuch. And they thought that was enough. And Jesus said, you don't have the whole picture. 
And she wanted to say, well, I, I know that there's a Messiah coming. He'll tell us things. And then he says, I am he. He cut through all the stuff and said, here I am. Here's the complete picture. And he tells her that in that telling. I can just see her asking, maybe trembling. I know the Messiah's coming. He's going to tell us all things. And she's looking at him. Can you see it? Just looking. Are you the one? And Jesus gently says, I who speak to you am he. I am he. You see, a long time ago, several generations now, or a couple of generations, several decades probably, there was a song that I thought summed up American culture pretty well. It said, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, don't take that as an endorsement of that song. And don't say, Brother Gary likes country music, because I don't. It has some of the most pagan lyrics. It's better than that rock and roll. Listen to the lyrics. It's worse than rock and roll. You like country? God will forgive you. I'm teasing you on that, okay? Let's understand that. But you see, that song summed up probably my generation and one before me and one after me of, of what life was really like. Desperately searching everywhere for something to make us feel better, something love. See, the fallacy was that if we have enough things, life will be good. If we know the right people, God will be good. If, if we have enough wealth, life will be good. If we work hard, it will be good. If we have power, prayer, or prestige, or position, if it will all fall in place, life will be good. And the answer is you can have all of that, and life is still fractured. Because you have nothing that lasts for eternity. And Jesus is looking at this Humpty Dumpty, this shady lady of Sychar, and he's looking at her and he's saying, I know you're shattered, and I have life for you. I have what will feed your hungry soul. I have what you've been searching for all your life, and that is God loves you. If you haven't found that yet, God loves you. If you haven't found that yet, he wants to put your life back together. If you haven't found that yet, you need to surrender to him and obey and let him help you. If you've tried to avoid God's truth, here it is. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Not by good works, not by being baptized, not by how much you give, not by how much you do for other people. It's not a weight and balance where you do more good than bad and you make it. Eh, wrong answer. Jesus did the work. For by grace you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Anything other than repentance and faith in Christ is you trying to work your way to heaven. You've added to the gospel. It's not the real gospel. Jesus did it all. So are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Is your life fractured? The good news is Jesus wants to meet you this morning. The last thing I see is in, starting with verse 27, is fixed and full. It's fixed and full, F-U-L-L. She's fixed and she's full. And what do I know? You see, Jesus has real, revealed himself to her. 
And it says in verse 27, At this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Remember, you don't do that, especially a Samaritan woman. Yet no one said, What are you doing? Or what are you seeking? Or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men. Why do you think she said it to the men? Because the ladies wouldn't have anything to do with her. Remember, ladies, there are some girls you might consider bad girls, but you're going to be able to reach them faster than the men will if you'll be lived used by God. I'm not saying go to those places where they inhabit. I'm saying bring them to where you inhabit. Don't be like a friend of mine and say, I go to the bar so I can witness. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> Disciples come back. She left her potter. She told the men. He told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They went out from their city and came to him. The disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. He said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And he said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And he said, My food is the will to do the will of God and him who sent me in to finish his work. Do you say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, lift up your eyes to the fields and they're already ripe, white for harvest. Get the picture of what's happening. The disciples come. She's excited. Could this really be him? She runs back into uh, town, okay, from the well. Starts talking to the men saying, come and see, come and see, come and see. And the disciples want to feed him. He said, I don't need your food. I have food that you don't know about. Well, who fed him? Well, his food was to do the will and the work of him who sent him and complete the work. And then Jesus can see the men coming up out of the village. You say there are four months harvest. Look. It's wide into harvest. As you finish the story, you find she's fixed. She's fixed. She's full. You see, she tells everybody, I met Jesus. Can this be? Can this be the Messiah? He stays there two days with them, and the realization comes upon them, upon the woman and many others. And they said, We believe because you said what he's told you, but now we believe because we've heard him. Fixed and full. Did you know there's another book of nursery rhymes? And it's called the Christian Mother Goose Rockabye Bible. It says this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. All the kings and all the kings... Couldn't. But Humpty Dumpty shouted, Amen. God couldn't put me back together again. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're sitting there and on the outside you look okay, but your heart is shattered. You're fractured. You're broken. Your prayers seem like they're bouncing off of a brass ceiling. You don't feel the presence of God and something's wrong. And yet Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, I want you to have a full life. I want you to be fixed and full. Maybe you need to come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. Maybe you need to come and join this church and work here. Maybe you need to come and rededication. Maybe you need to forgive people. Maybe you need to be forgiven. Maybe you need to surrender some things to Him. Don't be a Humpty Dumpty. Come to God and let Him heal those wounds. 
I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and you're going to come. As you come, you come because God wants you to and because you want to be obedient. Father, thank you for this day, and I ask that you'd guide us and direct us. And Lord, that your will and your will only be done, that Jesus will be glorified during this invitation time. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.